G'day and welcome to The Legal Minefield, a podcast with John Millier. I'm not John Millier, I'm Kevin Hillier. I'm the co-host of this show and I'll be working with John to bring you the answers to some of the questions that you want to ask about uh, whether you need a lawyer, what to do when you get a lawyer, uh, how much a lawyer should cost you, uh, the legal questions that take you to a lawyer in the first place. That's the object of uh, this exercise with this podcast is to make it not a legal minefield. Uh, That's why we called it The Legal Minefield because it really is for most of us exactly that. Uh, John uh, will explain you exactly what uh, what John's all about, how long he's been around and what his credentials are for giving you this advice on this podcast and that's coming up in, uh, in just a second or two. But uh, you can contact us, it's very simple. We have a Facebook page and an email address. Uh, jot it down because it might become very handy to you. It is info.thelegalminefield at gmail.com. That simple. And we're open to take uh, any question that you have about uh, any legal matter whatsoever. And uh, John will uh, will handle that uh, on this podcast series. So please send us your questions. But let's uh, let's meet John first up and uh, tell you a little about what we're hoping to achieve in this podcast. And of course, more importantly, a lot more about the man who'll be running this podcast, John Millier. Let's start by telling everyone who exactly you are. So who is John Millier and give us a little bit of your history and information. Um, so I'm a solicitor and I've been a practising solicitor in Victoria for the last 20 years. I run a general practice, which I've done for the last 13 years, and I practice in um, a number of different areas, for example, family law, general litigation, workers' compensation law, wills and estates, conveyancing and um, criminal law. What got you into the law in the first place, John? What was the interest? Um, the interest was to help, try and help people. So more than um, some people, it's about the prestige and the money and all that stuff. And believe me, it, it's not true about the money. It's <laughs> it's more it's more about um, was more about trying to help people. And I thought I could be able to help people. Was there a history in your family of people who'd been in, in the legal? Um, none, none. I'm the first in the family to do it. I originally did a um, degree when I was younger in legal studies and then um, went off and worked and got married. And then when uh, my son was born, he was probably about uh, six months old, I um, got into law school and um, went back and studied part-time and worked full-time. What age were you when you got back into law school? I think 30. Okay. Around around that age, long time So was there a light bulb moment where you said... Um, yeah, there was. I'd, I'd, I'd um, completed a legal studies degree and I'd been working at that time in insurance and I thought one day, look, I really like to do that. I want to do it and pursue it. And so I applied to a couple of law schools and um, I got two offers and took one of them that was closer to home. So I went off to La Trobe University. Haven't looked back. Yep. And do you love it? Is it, is it a passion? I, 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 it is and I still do. Um, it's, you know, can be very challenging and can be very draining and can be very tiring at times because of the intensity and the type of things you have to listen to and deal with and see. Um, but I still have a passion for it, luckily. You mentioned family law and, and, and wills and all those things. So there's areas where people are not at their, not at their finest when you, when you see them. Is that, is that a hard part? Of, is that the hardest part of, of the job? It is. It's one of the one of the parts of the job that you um, have to try not to take it on board and carry it with you. You have to try and help 
the people but not carry their what they're going through their struggle with yeah. you because then that way you're not going to be very effective in helping them make a decision or come to a decision when they need to, especially if you you become emotive yourself yep. or get caught up in it. And I have seen um, some practitioners who do that and it hasn't ended very well. Yeah. But must so be tough I, though. I, I, that must be a tough thing to do though, to, to divorce yourself from it virtually. It, it is because you have to bear in mind you're trying to help them resolve their issue or problem and you're trying to help them get the best result they can in the circumstances. And so you're not going to be able to do that if you're emotionally invested. And what's what's the good part? I mean, if that's if that's the tough part and the hard part, what's, what's the good uh, part of the job? The, the good part is um, getting a good result for a client, seeing them in a better place, working with other lawyers and colleagues that are good, and enjoying that com- camaraderie as well. Yeah. So all those things are good. Yeah. Let's talk about what this podcast, what we're hoping to do with this podcast, and that I guess is to give people a place to come to to ask those questions that that they don't know the answer to. That's right. To try and give them a, a guidance or point them in the right direction where they should go, and give them a bit of understanding as to what's required and what the law is about in the particular problem they're facing. I guess the first question that we need to ask is, how do you know when you need a lawyer? Depending on what the matter is, you'll know if you need a lawyer if, you know, there's been a decision made against you by a government or public authority. So, for example, a planning issue where the council said, no, you can't go ahead and build what you want, or, you know, it might might be a traffic driving offence where you've been booked and pulled over for something that you think you really didn't do, or it might be a situation where your relationship has broken down and you need guidance as to what happens, how you disentangle that relationship and deal with children and property, or it could be, you know, someone who's died in the family and you need to know what happens. They're all the types of scenarios that could happen when you need a lawyer, but yep. you'll know when you need one. So do you need a lawyer, a solicitor, a barrister, or, or what is that so, that that makeup? Because it sounds like the members of a football team, like the half-back line, the forward line and the centre line. It does. So a solicitor and lawyer are one in the same thing. A solicitor comes from the English terminology from England about, you know, solicitor. Uh, lawyers, more the modern-day version of what a solicitor is or the American version to call someone a lawyer. A barrister is different. A barrister is a person who's a specialist or a specialist advocate. They train special, specifically, so they do what we do. Um, they may practice for a few years and then they go to the bar. And what they what that means is they do the bar readers course and they train specifically in advocacy. So advocacy in simple terms is the art of persuasion. That is, you stand up on your feet and you've got to be able to persuade a court or tribunal to your case and they train and they specifically do that and they do that all day long seven days a week that's what they do and they're specifically trained to do that whereas a solicitor or lawyer will have those skills but may not step into court every day they may do their own court work now and then but mainly we'll see clients take instructions and deal with those sorts of issues with clients directly whereas a barrister will get briefed for that particular court appearance or mediation or tribunal hearing, they'll meet the client, they'll deal with the problem, represent them in court, and then that's the end of it for them. Then they'll move on to another one. 
So Barris is like the lead singer in a band, comes in, does that, and off he goes. Yeah, you've got it in one. <laughs> How, how's the bear? We Google everything these days. If you you want to know what the temperature is in Bahrain or, you know, what the what the egg price is in uh, in Hopper's Crossing, you jump on the computer and you Google it. Is is that a way and the best way um, to find that, the lawyer? That is the way to find one. That's a good way. It's a common, a common way. A lot of lawyers will have their own web page now and web spaces. Um, lawyers will have blogs and stuff like that. So people will do their research before they come to you. So that's one good way of finding one. Um, another good way is the Law Institute has a referral service. So you can telephone the Law Institute of Victoria and tell them, look, I've got this particular problem. Do you know a good lawyer in my area? And they can refer you to one. Um, but what I found over 20 years, and, and you'll probably find this the same thing, yourself is um, word of mouth. Yeah. So if someone knows a good one, they'll say, go and see this bloke, he's good, or go see this lady, she's great. It's like a good dentist or a good doctor. Someone will tell you who they are and lawyers are the same. The old your reputation procedure is very much in vogue in, in, in the legal profession. As it, 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 it still is. Yeah, in good and bad ways. Correct. Yeah. yeah. There's good. There are good lawyers, and there are some not so good. Um, it, and, and everyone knows that. Is geographics a, a part of it too? I mean, are you more likely if you live in Werribee to get a, a lawyer who lives in the western suburbs, and if you live in Ringwood, you're going to get one out in the eastern suburbs? It used to be, not anymore. Since COVID, um, with the two years of hell we've all been through, a lot of Zoom meetings. You can meet clients on Zoom. You can look after them online. You can also take instructions online and you can have, there are still court hearings online via Zoom. So geographically, you could be anywhere. Yeah. Whereas the old the old way would be, yeah, you'd go and see the local bloke down the road who had a shingle up in <laughs> Werribee <laughs> and you wouldn't want to go into town unless you had to. So, but that's all changed now. Yeah. Geographics means nothing anymore. So you've got the, I guess, the legal version of telehealth that the doctors use. Correct. Is, is now in vogue in, in, in the law. It's good. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that. A lot of the court cases are still online, still being heard online. So I think it's good. It's, it makes the courts more efficient. It's easier for practitioners and clients. They don't have to travel in and out. They save time. And it makes um, people more focused on the issues. So it's not a bad thing, but... Ultimately, they they do the, the courts do want to get back to, you know, being represented and turning up face to face. Yeah. So they're pushing for that. Choosing when you do choose someone when well, I, okay I finish up I go I'm going to go with Bob Smith. Bob Smith's going to be my lawyer. I want to he's the one I've decided. Do I get the opportunity to sit with Bob and say okay, do we do we get a chance to talk to each other before the the meter starts running and before I start? Yeah, do most so lawyers do that with you. Yes, they do. Okay. So you will, you should be getting a chance to meet first with the lawyer that you're interested in using. You should be able to sit and have an initial meet, meet and greet or meeting to tell them what your initial problem is and what, what it involves. You should also be um, able to uh, find out what it's going to cost and what their attitude or idea is about what they're going to do to help you resolve or fix your problem. So yes, that that the first initial consultation is normally free, and um, normally 
you will get an idea as to whether or not this person is the right person for you. At that meeting, I suggest you ask them about their experience in dealing with your type of matter, yep. if they've done it before. Always ask what it's going to cost and make sure you find out that they are aware of any other alternative methods to resolve the dispute. For example, alternative dispute resolution, which is far cheaper and less costly than going to court. So, for example, mediation, case conferences, roundtable discussions, arbitration, if they're familiar with using those or utilising those methods to try and save you some money, then that that's all good. Yeah. The, the, the cost has always been something that's frightened people or scared people off or, or been an intangible. We now see no win, no fee and all those sorts of things being advertised. What are, what are, what are the pitfalls and the, and the, the ups and downs of, of that particular strategy? Okay. okay. So traditionally, lawyers charge an hourly rate. They, they still, some still do. A lot of younger lawyers and different types of firms are moving to fixed fees. And the reason they're doing that is because it's become more popular with people, especially um, people looking for lawyers online, having fixed fees in family law and having fixed fees, it's it, it starting to work and appear appeal to the different younger generation. So lawyers are doing that. So what would happen is normally if there's a fixed fee, you know what you're paying, that's it. If it's an hourly rate, we say, for example, well, we'll charge you 350 an hour plus GST for any work that we do. So any work that we do, the, the meter starts, stops, for everything we do, mm. and, and there's that hourly charge. When it comes to no win, no fee, no win, no fee is predominantly in relation to personal injury matters at, at this point in Victoria. Also some wills and estate matters and some family law, but it's very limited. So no win, no fee means it's a, a contingency cost agreement. That oh, is. Okay, yep. Yeah, that, that is that if you, you're successful, you have to pay. But if you pay, there's provision normally in these cost agreements for a 25% uplift fee. So that means the firm can charge an extra 25% on top of what they've quoted you because of the success. So even though everything's paid up front, all your disbursements, all your medical report bills, et cetera, if you're successful, you end up having to pay 25% fee or increase on the fee. So in that regard, you're saving on one hand, but you may be paying more ultimately in the other. Yeah. But most firms will, uh, are good. They explain what that is and they have to give you a, in Victoria, they have to give you a copy of a cost agreement and disclosure statement, which sets all that out. So anytime you're going to engage a lawyer, they have to always give you for costs over $750, a cost agreement disclosure statement and you have to agree to that and sign it. Work can't commence till that's happened. Oh, okay. Is is there? I, I'm I'm assuming that there's no. If you're talking about working on an hourly rate or whatever, that you, you can't say, oh, a divorce will be ten hours or a a will will be two hours. It, 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 that's kind of a bit uh, a piece of string, yeah, really, so, isn't it? So, yeah, it is. So in a disclosure statement, you give an estimate. Okay. And the estimate is your costs will range between five hundred dollars and ten thousand dollars. This will involve the following X, Y, Z, and you set it all out. Yep. And and you can't be exact, but you have an idea from your experience that this is what this type of work will cost. Things like wills should be fixed fees. So we offer fixed fees in my practice for that. Yep. Um, stuff like that, conveyancing, we have a fixed fee. So um, those things are fixed, but other legal work depends on what's involved in the matter. 
and what needs to happen. Um, the realistic expectations, and I'm sure you've you've would know this has happened to you of what a lawyer can and can't do um, and what people expect you to be able to do, uh, you know, rabbits out of the hat and all sorts of weird and wonderful things. Um, is, is that the part of the explanation when, when you sit down with someone, well, what you say to them is your expectation? And then we've talked about what the expectation is of me, of you, but what about of you, of me? So I will tell clients what I expect from them. That is to be uh, honest with me and candid with, with things. I will also explain to them what I will do and won't do in their matter. Yep. I'll tell them if I need more information from them and why and that they need to provide it to me. Um, I'll give them often give them homework to do. I'll tell them, look, go home, write out a sequence of chronology, all the dates, what's happened, et cetera, and get it to me. It's far cheaper for you to go and do that than sit with me for four hours and I bill you for it. Yeah. And then I can ask you questions about it, which, which is saves time. So I get them to do a bit of that. Expectations are the biggest issue in legal practice. And it it's the issue is meeting your client's expectations or dealing with them. And that's the biggest problem a lot of lawyers face when, they, when things go wrong or costs are out of control. It's meeting the expectations of the client. Now, I don't and never have promised any client that we will win a case. I will give them what I think will happen, explain to them the system's not perfect, that if you're looking for justice, you're not going to find it in this system because judges are human, jurors are human, they might have a bad day, might have a bad night. You don't know what you're going to get on that day. So you cannot say definitely you're going to win something. Mm. We can give you an assessment of what we think will happen, what we need to know to make sure it's going to happen, and then ask you to make a decision and help you with that. And I think that's the right way to deal with people. Yeah. Rather than tell them, you know, look, oh, yes, put um, 20000 in my trust account. You're on a winner. You're going to win. You know, that, that's just not right. Yeah. yeah. You need to be realistic with clients. Uh, in terms of if I'm a client and I'm, I, I think I'm stuck in a bad situation with a, with a lawyer, how, is it easy to extricate yourself from an, an agreement with a, with a lawyer, given that you're the one who has all the nous about writing these things and I so, clearly am not? So two things. One is when you get a cost agreement and disclosure statement from a lawyer, you can go to another lawyer to get that reviewed so you can understand what it involves before you sign it. Okay. So you can do that. You have the option to do that. It actually should set it out in the agreement that you have the right to go and see someone before you sign it. So you can do that. If you have a bad relationship with the lawyer, then you need to explain to the lawyer, look, I want to terminate this retainer with you. The reason is because I don't feel you're doing X, Y, and Z. The issue with that will then be you'll need to go and find another lawyer to take over the case but that lawyer will not be handing over your file or paperwork unless you've fully paid them. Yep. And that's the catch. So they've been paid up to date for the work they've done. Not future work, just up to date to what they've done. Yep. And if you don't do that, you don't get your file. If you don't get your file, your other lawyer won't be able to help you. So it's a bit of a catch-22 situation, but that's what you can do. If you're really not happy and you have a grievance with your lawyer, you can contact the Legal Services Board and the Legal Services Commission in Victoria. They've got a website and they set out um, a process for 
reviewing complaints against lawyers and issues. Yep. And they can help. So there are enough uh, sort of areas for people to go to if they have a a, oh, a real grievance, not a, not a made-up one. Correct, yeah. yeah. If they've got a real grievance, they can go to the Legal Services Board, yep. make a complaint, put it in writing, or get them to make an inquiry and investigate things. Is the expectation from you, from from your point of view, uh, just transparency and, and openness from your client will, will generally get the job done? A lot of clients aren't very open, unfortunately. A lot of clients will not always tell you the truth. It's always the grey in the middle that's generally about right. Yeah. Um, but if they're doing what you tell them to do, you know, working with you, not against you towards the way, like, you know, you ask them to sign documents, come in and do things, um, make inquiries or help you with things and pay you along the way, it's fine. It's when clients don't want to have any involvement or um, commitment in their own matter or case where they don't want to know about it, they just don't want to help, they bury their head in the sand, then things are more difficult. Yep. Well, this has been like our initial consultation. I don't have any more questions that I need to ask uh, from a point of view of uh, I know what you're all about and I, I know what sitting down and finding a lawyer and then going through that initial process is. So I guess the next part of our consultation will be to get into something with a bit of meat in it. It will, yeah, and see if we can um, get into a bit of meat and help some people, which will be great. All right, that's what we're all about. Uh, Now it's up to you. If you have a legal question you would like to ask, it's very simple. Jump on our Facebook page and get in touch with us or send us an email and you can ask that question and then we will address it in uh, the episodes of this podcast over the coming weeks. It's info.thelegalminefield at gmail.com. That's simple. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. It uh, costs absolutely nothing. Uh, all it takes is the time to uh, to do that uh, that email. And whatever the question is, uh, any details that you want to remain uh, private, absolutely will be. We'll treat uh, all emails with, uh, with total confidentiality. So please, send us your email, send us your question, and hopefully we can help you out on The Legal Minefield, a podcast with John Millier. I'm Kevin Hillier. Until the next time, I hope to hear from you on our Facebook page or on our email. We'll talk soon.